Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and we reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. Well, I guess this one is after Hollywood. Anyways, uh, it's a little bit like race-oring fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and hey, it's just us today. Yes. Just the two of us. We can podcast if we try. <laughs> yes, today is just us and today... Was is a viewer's choice. That's right. Oh episode. my gosh, it's been what like a month. <laughs> Feels like it. Um, <laughs> the unbridled chaos of me moving and then having four <laughs> guests in a row. Which hey, I love. Yeah. I love our guests, but oh, it is kind of nice to be just back to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a little easier to edit with just one track less. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we are going to be rebooting for. Another time, and I've heard that there's another attempt being made by the CW. The CW? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So, we're going to be rebooting Dark Shadows, the first supernatural soap opera. Yeah, so, remember when Johnny Depp and Tim Burton decided, hey, let's, let's do a movie version, but we're going to make it a comedy. Yeah, yeah, that did Remember that movie where Johnny Depp was a wacky vampire? That's this. <laughs> and it was a major waste of Ava Green? <sighs> was she the villain in that one? Yeah, she. I think she's Angelique. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, for those of you who do not know, uh, Dark Shadows is an American Gothic soap opera that originally aired June 27th, 1966 to April 2nd, 1971. The show depicted the lives, loves, trials, and tribulations of the wealthy and psychotic Collins family of Collinsport, Maine, where a number of supernatural occurrences take place. So, originally it was a pretty bog-standard kind of gothic soap opera. Nothing like, really supernatural. Like gothic vibes. Yeah, gothic vibes. Like, one of the main plots for the first season was basically just like an updated version of the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. And then, being threatened with cancellation, the creator, Dan Curtis, decided, hey, let's add vampires <laughs> and ghosts and werewolves and zombies and mad main monsters and witches and warlocks, time travels, parallel universes, and one of the love and former love interests is a literal fucking phoenix. <laughs> so, what you're saying is that it's a little bit like passions. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah without dark shadows we don't get the illustrious soap opera known as passions yeah so it has been rebooted well attempts at reboots there was revivals there were films there's novels there's magazines comics it's been in syndication there is an audio drama it looks like the most recent release from that was 2019 yeah and as of September 2019, it was announced that the CW and Warner Bros. were developing a continuation of the original series called Dark Shadows Reincarnation, written by Mark B. Perry. Perry said, as a first-generation fan, it's been a dream of mine to give Dark Shadows the Star Trek treatment <laughs> since way back in the 1980s when Next Generation was announced. So I'm beyond thrilled and humbled to, and to be interested with this resurrection. In November 2020, TV Line reported that the series was no longer in development, so we're okay with TV stuff. So, 
I have two possible ideas. All right. One I know, yes, there are audio dramas available of Dark Shadows that have updated as recently as 2019. But I also like horror podcasts like Wolf 359, the Magnus Archives. Yes, I consider Wolf 359 a horror podcast. It, I mean, it is. It, it was advertised initially as Welcome to Night Vale in Space, yeah. which probably doesn't really hold true by the time it got to the end. But it was more of a horror thriller podcast in spite of a lot of funny moments. Mm-hmm. There's also the horror anthology series Old Gods of Appalachia. It's really good. It's ongoing. People should check it out. Um so there's that idea. But I also had this really weird idea of, hey, what if we did like the weekly soap opera that say has half hour episode half hour to an hour long episodes, but it it's aired on Twitch like two or three times a week? That sounds so poggers. <laughs> yeah, I, I did run this by Ryan, our resident Twitcher at large, and he's like, Well, someone will watch it. <laughs> I don't know, what sounds better to you? I think the podcast actually sounds better. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, horror podcasts fucking rule. Yes. Most audio drama podcasts are pretty good, because when you're making one, you actually care about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Not to, that sounded weird. That implied that, like, other podcasts don't care what they're doing. <laughs> How about, let me, let me, the, the audio drama podcasts that get popular, they get popular because of the effort put into it. Yeah. And the fan base that comes around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's already a pretty devoted fan base to Dark Shadows. Yes. Like, it it was one of the first uh, franchises that managed to get its own convention going. Nice. Yeah. What would the cosplay look like? Would it just be... Would it just be people dressing as gods? Maybe. <laughs> There'd at least be half a dozen guys dressed up as Barnabas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Anyway, the story, well, the story is really complicated because this motherfucker has 1,245 episodes. It was a weekly soap opera that aired like five times a, a week. I, th- I think the thing you have to remember with soap operas is like, yeah, they'll, they'll ha- have, have an episode air five times a week and they have over a thousand episodes, but they can move at such a glacial pace. Yeah. <laughs> you, c- you could watch a week's worth of soap operas and the equivalent of one weekly TV episode plot development would happen. But here's the thing. There is a lot of different plots that were going on. Some of them simultaneously. Some of them, I'm just like, oh boy. So there was Victoria Winter's Arrival, The Murder of Bill Malloy, Laura the Phoenix, Jason McGuire, Barnabas the Vampire, The Search for Barnabas' Cures, 1795, Adam and Eve, The Dream Curse, The Werewolf, Quinn's Ghost, Return to 1796, 1897, The Hand of Count Patofi, The Leviathans, 1970 in a parallel timeline, <laughs> 1995, Gerald Styles, 1840 and 1841 in a parallel timeline. But when do they return to Warlock Island? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my general idea is let's do this podcast style. Let's have it still set in the 1960s for the most part. Okay. Because, like, when I think of gothic stuff, like, in my head, the first thing I think about is the classic gothic novel cover with, like, the woman with the great hair in the flowing dress running from yes. the castle. And that was, like, peak mid to late 60s. And that's our album art, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Just look up, I think it's called Women Running 
Oh, I don't know. I know that there is a Twitter account I follow. It's called like the Pulp Fiction Librarian, and they'll sometimes do compilations of these covers, and they are fucking fantastic. I go- I googled women running away from castles, and the on Amazon.com you can buy a book that is called Castle of Horror Anthology Volume Four: Women Running from Houses. <laughs> <laughs> There's also 51 women running from castle ideas on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the very basic premise is or at least how we get the plot started, is a young woman by the name of Victoria Winters arrives in Collinsport, Maine in 1966 because she has been hired by the Collins family to work as a governess for young David Collins. And soon, mysteries and adventures follow. Is da- I gotta ask, is David a creepy child or is he just a normal child? He's gonna be a creepy child. Okay. <laughs> Why? Did, did you want a normal child who's just surrounded by creepy? No, I'm just... I'm just the- because kid, kids love playing a creepy child, so I'm just imagining this creepy child. And of course, there's a creepy child on the podcast, too. So it's like, what, what's her name? Victoria? Victoria. Victoria. Or Vicky. Victoria enters the child's room. It is surrounded, it is filled with toys, but the toys seem untouched. There's a thin layer of dust covering everything. There is a child standing stock still in the middle of the bedroom, facing away from her. The child speaks. Hello, governess. I am so thrilled to meet you. <laughs> I mean, David has built a plot device for the first couple of years. Is he the omen? Is this child the omen? I mean, he's the son of the phoenix, so... Oh, that's, that sounds like the opposite of the omen. I don't know. The phoenix's plan, Laura's plan, was to self-emulate herself with her child. Yeah, but they're phoenixes. That doesn't concern me as much. I don't know how much of a dark Phoenix XP we want to do. I mean, <laughs> you have to remember that the X-Men Phoenix is not a literal Phoenix. I know, I know. It's the incarnation of like the life force and all that. It's yes, I'm, I'm assuming that the Dark Shadows Phoenix is like, hello, I'm a large imposing bird and I love fire. <laughs> yeah, every hundred years I just burst into flame, turn into a new version of Laura Murdoch, and also I might be your grandmother, Roger. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of a debate within the fandom on whether or not Laura reincarnates bodily, or is it just her soul that gets reincarnated? Hmm. I don't know. You decide. How much are you comfortable with V.C. Andrew-style incest? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where we said society has progressed past incest? <laughs> yeah. But if, is... she, if she's a villain, and she's being kind of weird about it... Mm-hmm. It might work. Yeah, because then we can say, hey, you see this? This is bad. Mm-hmm. We do not approve of it. Also, I feel like Laura should get some more appreciation for being a, a villain and all that. And I am going to improve her because everybody talks about Barnabas. And yeah, Barnabas is a really great character. But he kind of overtook the series, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So anyway, the major arcs there's a lot of arcs and last night i was listening to them trying to figure out like what exactly like how the different arcs are going to work so i was thinking like probably with a podcast it's best to stick to like a weekly to maybe twice a month episodes yeah as for the arcs um i was gonna go with um the mystery of victoria winters so the series was kind of canceled a bit earlier than expected though it did get like five years. And according to the creator, one of the 
plot threads that was supposed to be solved near the end was who Victoria's parents were. She had grown up in a in an orphanage. She was founded at a foundling hospital, and then she gets hired by the Collins family, and it's implied that she is the daughter of the family's matriarch, Elizabeth. And the plan was at some point near the end, she was going to be revealed as being Elizabeth's daughter. So I was thinking, we still have that mystery about who Victoria's parents are, and it's going to play a major part in later stories, but maybe have the revelation that she's Elizabeth's daughter come a bit earlier. Okay. Because, like, with the other stuff that is going to happen, finding out that your Elizabeth's daughter is is a little bit anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. So she gets introduced to the Collins family. There's Elizabeth Collins' daughter, who's the matriarch of the family. There's her brother, Roger, who is a messy bitch. <laughs> um, his son, David, who's the creepy child. And uh, Carolyn's daughter, who is Elizabeth's daughter from her late husband, Paul. She's a bit of a rebel. But all around good kid. Um, and I call Roger a messy bitch because, like, aside from his wife not being in the picture anymore, he he and Elizabeth inherited half of the family fortune, and he's already spent his half. He and oh he's no, just, yeah. He, as I said, messy bitch. <laughs> Can I just say this man sounds like he is a gay. <laughs> every you listen, know what. Every- we're obviously making this queerer than before because, well, I mean, A, this is what we do, and B, it's a podcast and all audio yeah. dramas are queer. If, if, if you have a heterosexual audio drama, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so with Roger's backstory, he was married to Laura Murdoch, or Laura Collins, who... So this, the story is a bit different in the original series for the purposes of my version, Basically what happens is that there was an accident involving himself, his friend, Burke Devlin, and Laura. So this is after David is born. They're driving down a road, weather stuff happens, the car crashes into the ocean, because this is in Maine, you're always near water. Um, Burke and Roger manage to get out of the car. Laura's body is never recovered. They don't know what happened to her, but Roger being a messy bitch for various reasons, Burke ends up, you know, getting accused of manslaughter, let's say. Mm-hmm. Even though he wasn't the one behind the wheel, it was Roger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to reveal later. Dun, dun, dun. There is also a local hot witchy hippie babe named Cassandra Blair who's going to be revealed to be Angelique. <laughs> um, so Victoria quickly finds out that there's a bunch of different mysteries going on. She becomes friends with uh, Carolyn and this local waitress named Mickey Evans and there's like a mysterious painting that's found in a sealed off room that David leads her to of Josette Dupress Collins. It's Barnabas's original love interest. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the mysteries is like, who is Josette? What happened to Laura? Weird witchy stuff happening. And just weird spooky stuff. And we build it up for a bit. And then Burke Devlin returns to town. And he's like, I'm back, Roger. <laughs> it's been 10 long years <laughs> it's been 10 slutty slutty years 
<laughs> also, Burke, Burke Devlin, the name just registered in my mind, but now I'm only ever going to be able to think of Duke Devlin from Yu-Gi-Oh! You know the Dungeon Dice Boy? Oh, yeah! <laughs> Who always has sexy back playing in the background? <laughs> so, Burke is basically our Edmond Dantes XB. He plans on bringing down the Collins. Okay. And this is like the arc where we mostly focus on that and what happened to Laura and some of the basically Laura's past starts not adding up when they start piecing together what they do know about her. Mm -hmm. Oh, another thing. Ken, so, okay, so I know this is a patio cast. A, a patio, it's a patio cast. It's a patio <laughs> drama. <laughs> um, can Laura be played by Laura Dern? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> if we can afford her. Yes. I mean, we'll be we'll be getting like the other podcast regulars who are probably a lot more affordable. Mm -hmm. We'll get to, we'll get the Julia Morozawas and we'll get the Brigham Snows and the Lauren Shippens and the who else does a lot of podcasts? Zach Valentes. There you go. Yes. Those are the the four the four elemental podcast audio <laughs> drama people. Um and when I say more affordable, I'm not saying we're gonna underpay them. I'm just saying it's probably easier to get a contract with them than it is to get a contract with Laura Dern. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was a surprise when Old Gods of Appalachia could get uh, Yuri Lowenthal. Yeah, I mean, but, okay, but even that makes a little bit more s sense, because Yuri Lowenthal is a voice actor, at least. I mean, he's a big-name voice actor, but he's still a voice actor. Yeah, it's more just like, Old Gods hasn't been around for more than, like, two years at this point. That's that's fair, although they've they've got a lot of traction, a lot of clout. Yeah. Anyways, continue <laughs> with your plot things. Okay. Laura's background wasn't adding up. Yeah, Laura's background isn't adding up. Um, uh, Burke is basically on the warpath against Roger. I'm gonna say that these three were a thr were like a polycule of some sort, <laughs> and <laughs> Roger, being the messy bitch that he is, just fucked it all up. Oh no! <laughs> you ruined a perfectly good polycule. Look, you gave us anxiety. <laughs> Well, you gave me anxiety. I don't know if she has anxiety. She's a bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the original series, Burke was one of the main love interests for Victoria. He didn't stick around for the entire thing. I think he ended up getting killed at some point. But... Eaten by zombies, probably. <laughs> As you do. But I don't know what we should do for romance-wise with Victoria. I'm ruling out carolyn because of the eventual reveal that they are half sisters so maybe either maggie or burke as her main love interests or you, let's let's go with maggie okay and then burke <laughs> i don't know burke, burke burke just doesn't seem right for <laughs> victoria based on the fact that he constantly has sexy back playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> so Basically, this is all, like, a build-up for some of the first, like, true supernatural elements that are going to happen. Like, the first, say, let's do five to ten episodes of just Victoria, you know, getting introduced to the setting. The first five episodes are going to be Victoria arriving, getting herself introduced to the settings, and we're hinting at supernatural elements. Then, like, say the next five to ten episodes is the whole Burke Devlin's Revenge. And this is where we really start adding in, like, genuine supernatural elements. Like, there's ghosts, there's weird seance stuff, there's weird dreams. Josette starts appearing as, like, you know, the, Victoria, watch out! 
<laughs> Your employer is sketchy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that all happens, and then eventually, um, a murder is solved, and we get the whole like actual Burke side, and he gets at least some revenge on Roger. Yada yada yada. This is a lot of yada yada yada. So <laughs> then we move on to Laura the Phoenix, and this is. In fact, I would say that Lord of the Phoenix arc really does overlap with Burke. It's just like, at some point, she's got to arrive back in town and is like, I'm alive, bitch! <laughs> so yeah, this is where, like, Victoria, Carolyn, and Maggie kind of become the Scooby Squad. Nice. Because, why not? Yeah, while well, the Burke stuff's happening, they're investigating Laura, they find that stuff isn't adding up, and then in the... They do research and they find out that in 1867, part of Collinswood burnt down, killing Grandma Collins, a.k.a. Laura Murdoch Radcliffe. Okay. And then they find more Lauras who appear in the Collins family in, like, 1767 and another incident in 1667. And it eventually reveals because Laura is also seeking her... Her plan is to self-immolate herself once more because it's 1967. She's she's on a bit of a schedule right right now, mm -hmm. which also means like trying to protect David from her because a Collins child winds up dead in this situation too, along with Maul. So, uh, with Josette's help and. Burke and Roger putting aside their vendetta to at least, like, run some interference and be the muscle for the girls. Um, they manage to rescue David. Uh, Carolyn finds some stuff regarding, like, this weird cult called the Leviathans. That's going to be important later. All right. I'm also going to involve Cassandra Angelique as extra supernatural help. Cassandra Leek. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the name Cassandra Blair. Yes. Yeah. The... That all happens. And then, bit of a break. We get to Jason McGuire and the Colin Stools. So this guy named Jason McGuire shows up and is all harassing Elizabeth and trying to get in her pants and all that. And as it turns out, he is a con man who was an associate of Paul Stoddard, who was Elizabeth's late husband. It's eventually revealed that Paul is not dead. Hmm. Um, Their marriage was not good. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty shitty marriage. And at one point, Elizabeth, they got into a fight and she knocks him out with something and she thought that she had, like, straight up brained him. Uh-oh. Turns out he survived. Paul and Jason are planning on blackmailing Elizabeth to get access to the Collins family jewels that are hidden away in the family vault in the mausoleum. Okay. Because, of course, his family has a fucking mausoleum. While that's going on, we have the girls investigating that with Burke's help to, you know, stop Jason from taking the jewels. Uh, Carolyn will get a badass moment where she tells Jason to uh, leave at the point of a fucking pistol. But then, like, when he leaves, he decides to double back, sneak into the vault anyway to see if he can find the jewels. And that's when he opens up Barnabas Collins' tomb! Oh, okay. And he's never seen again. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Yeah. So then Barnabas shows up and he is the source of all of his own problems because he is a vampire mm -hmm. and he is basically trying. His whole thing is 
He had fallen in love with a with Josette, but then he was two-timing her with Angelique, who was a witch, and Josette killed herself, so now she's a ghost, and Barnabas felt super guilty about it, but then Angelique gets pissed at him and turns him into a vampire, and he's just been kind of bumming around for a while until he wakes up again. Just vibing in his tomb. Yeah. <laughs> but he wants to, like, resurrect Angelique, or not Angelique, Josette, so he's trying to, like, either raise her from the dead, doesn't work, and Josette's like, I'm actually kind of fine being dead, honey. <laughs> you are also shitty to me. Um, so he tries to turn Maggie into the new Josette, and when that doesn't work out, he decides to turn his attention to Victoria. I just really need a vampire girlfriend, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he becomes friends with Julia Hoffman, who is the head psychiatrist at the local sanatorium, which is where Maggie's being held uh, under a different name so that Barnabas leaves her alone. Julia is not a, a good person. She does some really shitty stuff, but eventually she becomes a better person over time. Now, in the movie, wasn't she also a cover for Angelique? Maybe. I, I really don't remember. I just know that she got killed off at some point in the movie. I think I've seen five minutes of the movie. Yeah, honestly. If she it's got killed a... off, then wait, wait a second. No, I think I think that character was the the um, mandatory Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, God. That movie. Um. So here's the thing about that movie. Uh, they tried to be quirky. And they just could, did not have the guts to make Johnny Depp's Barnabas the fucking villain. Yeah, also it's just t- t- Tim Burton being too Tim Burton-y. Mm-hmm. Which he, he, he really hasn't been goth very much. I think his most gothic movie was actually probably the first Batman. Yeah. And after that, he's just like, I'm being weird and wacky. Nya, nya, nya. Well, the Corpse Bride was good. I, I'm the one Corpse Bride respecter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Corpse Bride, you know, there, there's some heart in there. So this is like where I'm finally like, I can't be rewriting all of these plots. Part of it is like, this is a fucking soap opera. It kind of writes itself, but I also want to get to the Leviathan shit because we're talking about an Eldritch style cult. Well, okay. So let's, let's think of this in terms of seasons. Okay. Because this, this doesn't have to be like Night Vale where they're constantly, they were constantly going. This can be more like a Bright Sessions or an Arden. Where it's a, a, a spat of episodes, like 18 to 20 episodes a year. Okay. Mind you, I guess by week, that's still going to take up most of the year. But let's let's say it's like 15 episodes a year. Yeah. And you produce, like you record and produce them all at once, and then you release them serially. You could even do that weekly still, and then just have a longer hiatus between. But anyway, so let's think of this as season. So season one, is season one just Laura, or is Barnabas involved in season one too? I would say season one should be, it should culminate in Laura. Okay. Because I want Laura to be fucking memorable. Right. And maybe come back. She's a phoenix, of course she's gonna come back. Yeah, that is true. So season one is Laura, then season two can be Barnabas. And season yeah. two can also be the one that's dropping hints about Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And then season three can be the focus on Leviathan. But it's like, they're not yeah. coming out of nowhere. Because we've been dropping hints that there's a spooky eldritch cult going on in the background for the past two years. Yeah, like... That's probably going to have the strongest connections to Angelique and like her powers and all that because she's an immortal witch. And I was thinking that maybe there is a supernatural connection to Victoria because like her deal is that she serves as a point of view and is a love interest to various other characters, including Barnabas. And there's a whole like not revealed part that she's Elizabeth's daughter and looking up 
the Dark Shadows wiki, Elizabeth's daughter, Elizabeth Collins' daughter, is also involved in the Leviathan cult. So why not have her be like the evil matriarch? Or maybe not the evil matriarch, but like she does some shady stuff too. Or maybe it's one of those like I'm doing shady stuff because there's a bigger picture involved. Like I am doing this to try and protect Collins Port and the Collins family. And it's not just about our fortune. Like with. This land is cursed, and I'm doing this because it's a kind of deal with the devil situation. Yeah. In fact, maybe it's kind of like an inherited... There's always hints that the Collins family was cursed. So maybe Elizabeth is trying to work in the background of the Leviathan cult to break the curse to free Collins Port, basically. Okay. And somehow Victoria's locked into this too... With, like, her birth, maybe her birth was a little more important than, you know, a teenage indiscretion, let's say. Mm -hmm. Also, what I was thinking, because time travel and parallel universes are part of this series. Yeah. Maybe Victoria has some weird time travel powers. Okay. Like, you know how in Days of Future Past, Kitty Pride inexplicably is able to, like, transport people back in time? Yeah, we were just talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe she's got that kind of power where she can kind of create time shifts around herself, which is how she ends up in 1795 and gets accused of being a witch. Oh, yeah. She isn't burned at the stake. They actually, <laughs> the writers back in the 60s did their research and have her, the woman she replaces for a short time be hung like you did if you were under English law or you were in the States. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rule of thumb when it comes to the witch trial period, um, the British Isles hung their witches, Scandies liked to drown their witches, and the continental Europeans were all about that burning. Okay. Yeah. So that happens, and we go back to like the 1840s and the 1890s, and we go to parallel times. There's a trip to the future. I think that's kind of Victoria's power. She's able to kind of phase through things whether or not she's going to be able to interact with them i don't know i'm thinking with time travel to the past maybe she can interact with stuff and it's mostly about gathering information and getting context about like what is going on and finding important clues and all that that leads to the whole culmination of the leviathan thing and somehow laura figures into it too because it's weird to just have the phoenix kind of hovering around yeah yeah, so maybe there is a bigger cosmic fight between, because like, Phoenix, Fire, Leviathan, Water. Yes. I know that the audio dramas have expanded the um, lore about Leviathans and all that, but... Oh, yeah, I should actually go into what the fuck are, is the Leviathan cult. Yeah, what's Leviathan's so, deal? <laughs> okay, the Leviathans were a race of beings who ruled Earth before mankind came into existence. Their forms were hideous and inhuman, although many Leviathans took human shape after they lost control of the planet. They longed to return to the Earth and reclaim it as their own. To that end, they seized control of the mine of Barnabas Cullen in 1796 because he had mastered the power to travel through time and could carry the essence of their leader into the 20th century. So instead of Barnabas having that, or maybe he did have that power, Victoria now has that power too. So. They seem to be evil snake people, or evil reptile people. Okay. And they want to take over the world, because uh, why not? This is our blue planet. It doesn't have to be that deep, so mm -hmm. 
And it could be for something bigger. But like I like the idea of having the more eldritching stuff just baked into there. As for the phoenix, there's some indication that it might be related to some ancient Egyptian stuff. I don't know how we can come up with a better explanation for what the phoenix is. Because I want them to have something to do with the leviathans. And maybe it's a rivalry to control the earth, not for good reasons, though. Yeah, like the phoenix, the phoenixes could also be an ancient species that had a rivalry with the leviathans. And the, the, the leviathans came out on top initially mm-hmm. uh, because water. Yeah. But then both eventually fell to humanity. I don't know why. The... <laughs> See, Tabitha <laughs> was there and she used the, her deal with the boys in the basement. <laughs> Or maybe it was just mutually assured destruction. Yeah. And you know, the, the phoenixes were taken out more, like, there's way less phoenixes than there are leviathan, but there's not really that many leviathan either. And because both of mm-hmm. them were so weakened, that allowed humanity and the rest of the world to be created. Yeah. So yeah, there's other stuff going on. There's like a werewolf thing that that happens. I don't know. Maybe that's how we get rid of Roger eventually. <laughs> Is the werewolf or eaten by a werewolf? You know what? I I, I honestly prefer, like, gay werewolf so yeah and you know what maybe roger and burke reconcile when they realize they're i'm I'm sorry i was a terrible lover to you but have you considered that i'm a werewolf now (laughs) well i'm kind of into that so (laughs) i mean there's weirder things going on your cousin is a vampire and is just leaving bodies all over the place also i think he's uh hypnotized your niece (laughs) hmm yeah Oh, apparently the Leviathans were officially created by Satan. We don't need Satan We for don't this. need Satan in this. We don't need Diabolos, who is behind Angelique, Nicholas, Blair, Judah, Zachary, and according to Word of God, the Leviathans. Mm-hmm. No, I'm fine with Angelique being, like, some sort of Leviathan defector, or, like, maybe she was an acolyte, and then she's like, you know what, I, I'm just gonna steal this power for myself and live forever. Yeah. Also, uh, fuck you, Barnabas! Yeah, the Leviathans could they would have been like, we will teach you magical powers, and then you will be our vessel on the mortal plane. And she's like, you know, you had me in the first half, not gonna lie. <laughs> but now that you've given me all this power, why should I listen to you? Peace! <laughs> and let's just say Angelique has her own aims, and it's mostly just like, I want to live my best life. Also, fuck you, Barnabas. <laughs> like, one of the things that happens when victoria in our version will travel back in time is we get to see what exactly happened with the whole barnabas angelique josette love triangle it it doesn't end well yeah we could even we can use that to reveal people are probably going to come into this poised to assume that barnabas like even if he's an antagonist he's still like a good guy deep down and then we can use that flashback to reveal no he's just kind of always been an asshole yeah like it's only now, after a couple hundred years, that he's finally realized, oh, I am a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> I am the creator of all of my problems. Wow, I'm a Fuck. terrible person. Are you going to do anything about it? No. But you know, I'm aware of it now, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, here's, here's a fun story note that I just saw. Um... In the Leviathan arc, the Leviathans claim to be holding Josette hostage in order to pressure Barnabas to carry out their schemes, but when a seance is held to contact Josette, she assures them that she knows of no Leviathans. <laughs> Called your bluff! Also, does ha- seances on podcasts are good. Yeah. And I would like to hear it. Yes. I want more seances on podcasts. 
Yes. Well, then guess what we're doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> Break out the Ouija board, kids. You know, you, you know my grandpa, the former reverend, right? Yes. Did you know that he let my mom and her friends hold a seance in the church basement one time? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Coolest reverend ever. Pretty much. <laughs> you should take that on to Faithful. <laughs> I probably will mention it at some point. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. And that would have been like, what, back in the 80s? Mm, no, that would have been the 70s. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, ooh, satanic panic right there, if anybody found out. Yeah. (laughs) They weren't trying to contact the devil, just some normal ghosts. Normal Christian ghosts. (laughs) And clearly nothing went wrong, because there's no family curse or anything. That we know of. Yeah, that I know of. I don't know, maybe the unholy curse that was placed upon my bloodline is just the fact that my knees crunch whenever I stand. Well, our parents held too many seances, and now our generation's bones are dust. <laughs> so, yeah, there's all of that. There's a lot of various plots going on. There's a dream curse that involves Angelique. Angelique casts the casts a curse that takes the form of nightmarish dreams, and everybody has like scary dreams associated with with this. So, like. Julia has the dream in which she finds a skeleton. Victoria has the dream in which Barnabas beckons her. She finds Barnabas lying on the floor, bleeding bleeding at the neck. That sort of stuff. Like, we could have mini arcs, or like, I was thinking with the shorter arcs, they can lead into bigger plots. Mm-hmm. Or help move along the bigger plots that are going to be, like, stuff that isn't going to really pay off until probably the final season. Yeah. Because they're there should be an endpoint for this. I don't know when. I don't know how. I'm thinking this can be done in about five or six seasons. Yeah. And also, this show, like, yes, it was made in the mid mid to late 60s, very early 70s. It's super white. So we're going to have a more um, non-het, non-white cast. Yeah. We can have... We can have some of the Collins kids be adopted. We can definitely have some mixed race marriages. And, you know, it's the 60s, but we'll... Mm, do we want to hand wave that? Or do we just want to say... Uh, it's a bit... It's a bit tough. Like, I was thinking... My initial thought was maybe Victoria's mixed race. Or may- See, that's a, that's a situation where maybe we should settings update to the modern day. Mm, yeah, maybe. Or at least to, like, the 90s. Yeah. And, like, maybe with Victoria, instead of being, like, the governess, she's, like, uh, like a living caretaker educator for David. Yeah. Tutor. Yeah, a living tutor. Mm-hmm. Although, well, so she... She, maybe she's not called a governess, but the role could still be basically be a governess, and whoever's, like, the eldest matriarch is, like, always refers to her as the governess, and Victoria can be like, I only thought that word was used by British women in the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, with a settings update that gives them better access to technology so that the research is easier to do, and they can mm-hmm. start piecing things together. So, like, let's say that this is maybe not just the 90s. Let's move it up to, like, 2007. Okay. Because, like, basic access to the internet and some cell phone technology, but not a lot, because I do want Collinsport to feel fairly isolated. Yeah. And a little bit at a time. So that means, like, it would feel 
a bit more like the 80s, but they've got early 2000s technology, let's say. Okay. So in that case, uh, Laura has reincarnated 2007, 1907, 1807, or she reincarnates whenever she gets like bad bodily damage or whatever so maybe she's got a few more reincarnations in between yeah basically she can't be destroyed you yeah. can like the closest thing you could do maybe is if you get her ashes into maybe a, a box fast enough and just seal that then she can't really come back yeah and i would say barnabas um yeah barnabas's stuff can really stay the same a lot of stuff can really stay the same it's just more like we're cutting out we're accelerating it. It's it's not yeah. on the soap scale where it takes a year to get through everything, like 150 episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah, there was another plot line involving um, the ghost of Quentin Collins. And uh, let's see, the ghost of Quentin Collins haunts Collingwood, and he seems to possess David. So, I don't know, make the creepy child even more creepy? <laughs> well, you said he seems to possess David. It could be that David just being his normal brand of creepy. Yeah. And then as for why David is creepy, I don't know when your mom is fucking weird, too. You're gonna be weird. Mm-hmm. Although, since it's 2007, he can be creepy, but, like, they'll still be playing with modern stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he, he starts speaking in tongues while playing with his bionicles. <laughs> Oh, is that a language you mean, David? La, la, Cthulhu Fatan. <laughs> no, wait, no, okay, no, actually, this is, okay, this is kind of bad, but, like, the family thinks he's speaking in tongues, but he's just trying to explain Bionicle lore to him. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Takanuva fought the Makuda for the rights of all the Matoran to live freely, but then they unlocked the secrets of Metro Nui, which was trapped in the past, and then the Paraka kidnapped the All-American Rejects. <laughs> Honestly, somebody explaining the lore of Dark Shadows sounds like that, too. <laughs> David receives dark visions of future pop-punk bands. <laughs> I mean, there's a storyline where Barnabas and Julia go into a parallel version of 1841, and he meets the love of his life, Roxanne, but then they're trying to escape a Collinswood that's in the process of being burnt down, and Barnabas and Julia get through the interdimensional door that's somehow in collins would back to like the regular timeline but roxanne gets trapped and dies <laughs> whoops whoops yeah as i said high drama tis a soap opera but also there's parallel universes because reasons yep <laughs> i don't know maybe Collinswood should be an interdimensional gateway by accident yeah i mean not necessarily by accident it could be on purpose maybe oh maybe that was like the last stand between the leviathan and the phoenix and that's why it's just got it's got all the vibes. Yes. Every single vibe you could think of, it's there. Oh my god, It's it should almost be like um, the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. Yes, where there it's it is. Semi -sen Semi-sentient. Yeah. Does all of this ancient power has been pumped into this place. And it's like, it's almost like trying to reach out and extend its influence too. I really like that bit of The Shining lore that didn't quite make it into the movie yes although maybe maybe it's not necessarily evil and it's more just it's it's the house the house is the house can think and it's like i'm a house what do i do with this information <laughs> it's more 
I would say it's almost more like an animal where it's got some level of sentience, but it's not like thinking that far into the future. It's not making plans. It's more focused on the here and now and survival. Yes. And so, so the other thing I was thinking is maybe maybe Quentin tries to possess David, but he can't because David's already possessed by the house. And that's why this kid's so fucking weird. Yes! <laughs> also, I know that this is a bit of a classic thing about creepy houses, but like, I want the layout to feel like it's a labyrinth. Yes. And well, we can play with it too. Like we can first off just say like, oh yeah, it's, it's like weird to navigate around here, but you know, you get used to it eventually. And then mm-hmm. as more and more things happen, the layout really does start shifting. Mm-hmm. Victoria's like, okay, I'm, I, I know that this house is set up in a really weird way, but I'm almost certain that the bathroom door didn't up to the stairs into the observatory. <laughs> also, another thing about a podcast like this, do we want to have their... Okay, so a lot of podcasts or a lot of the horror podcasts or audio drama podcasts that we've listened to, there's always been kind of like a premise of like um it's a radio show it's someone recording their audio diaries or something do we want to do that or do we just want to do it yeah this is just an audio drama this is, you're i think this is just an audio drama i don't think yeah. if we try to justify why we can hear what's going on then it limits what we can do and then when we get to the time points where we can't justify it yeah then it's like well why do you even have that premise to begin with yeah okay yeah because i've been leaning towards you know it's just an audio drama for a while, so. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my idea for how to reboot Dark Shadows. It would fit right in with all these other, like, audio dramas that we've referenced. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably, nowadays, the best medium for uh, for Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. Like, given that Big Finish has been doing a long-running audio drama series itself, Yeah. It speaks to that. Yes. All right. If, if that's everything. Yeah, I think that's everything. All right. In that case, it is said that friendship promos are thicker than water. They are what define us, bind us, curse us. Well, hello, my friends. This is CK from the Marths and Monsters podcast. Join me, my companion Finn, and my occasionally satanically possessed cat Ray as we investigate the real truths behind some of the most wonderful creatures you can imagine. Are trolls really that thick? Or is it just bad press? Are leprechauns really drunken bums? Sort of. But there's a lot more to find out. All you need to do is tune in to Marths and Monsters podcast with me and Finn. Till next time, slancha. Your good health. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. You can find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Beat You First, and t- together they sound like a woman running away from a house. <laughs> You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite title for a 60s gothic romance novel. That's where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast, your YouTube, or even your DeviantArt. 
You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. We no longer have a Patreon. We have replaced it, but before we get into the details, we want to give a final shout-out to the patrons that stuck out until the end. So thank you, Charlie, Cassidy, Christina, Rem, Theo, and Julia. Thank you all. So, we have been inspired by the podcast minds there before the grace of Podgo We, who started a quote-unquote stick-it-to-the-concept-of-NFTs style fundraiser by allowing people to quote-unquote purchase an episode of their podcast by donating to charity. We want to do the same. So the charity we picked is the North Central Family Center. It's a charity that helps families in need in the North Central community of Mine and Lindsay's own city of Regina. This is a neighborhood that's essentially been left behind by the rest of the city, and it could definitely use some help with its outreach. How this works is that if you donate a minimum of $5 to the charity, the link of which will be in the episode description, you can send us your receipt. We'll put your name on a spreadsheet, publicly available, Put your name on the spreadsheet next to the episode of your choosing, and then if the episode is already taken, you simply have to outbid that person for by donating more than they did. And then there you have it. You own an episode of this podcast. You own an episode of Not If I Boot You First. You were able to give money in support of something better than just two randos with a podcast. And me and Lindsay are still able to encourage a little bit of good being put out into the world. Now, if you are strapped for cash, we totally understand. All that we ask is that you spread the word about this or really any charity. There's so many charities and GoFundMes and things going on in the world that need support. And so as long as you keep on living that kind of life, then that is what's important. Um, and then on top of that, if you also want to support this podcast, then all you got to do is leave a rating and review on your podcast of choice. And if we're not on your podcast of choice, then let me know and I will find a way to get us in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. We also have a Corner Podcast Discord, where you can talk about all the shows, so not just this one, but also Loser Like Me and Faithful and The Home for Wayward OCs. And so the link for that is in the episode description of all of our episodes. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, when her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. What are we doing next week? That depends. Do you want me to do, like, my really weird galaxy brain idea that is, is kind of I don't really know the details for? Or do you want me to do something that, like, makes a little bit more sense? <laughs> Galaxy Brain. Fuck it. Galaxy Brain. Okay, in that case, next week, our hearts will be our guiding keys. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but until then, we will see you next week. Not if we reboot you first. Bye.